Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Welcome, sugar babies, leather daddies, and people in family therapy. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hello, hello, everybody. I'm your host, Billy Presida. Welcome to the show where every week I chat with women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, sexuality, relationships, and love. Although today's special guest uh, is not a woman from my sexual history, but is one fantastic figure, poly superstar, the founder of Kinky Salon, who I'll tell you all about in a little bit. But before I do, gotta tell you some show dates, everybody. Show dates. Show dates, everybody. Come on out, see the horror, do some live stand-up comedy. This Friday, January 23rd, I will be in Secaucus, New Jersey. Stay with me. I know I said New Jersey, but it, trust me, it's worth it. I'm going to be performing on a hip-hop and comedy show. I will not be doing any hip-hop. I will do zero rapping. Uh, do not worry. Show is at 8 p.m. at the Blue Room Lounge at 201 Secaucus Road. Tickets are $12, but if you say my name, Billy Persida, at the door, admission is only $10. What a deal, everybody. What a deal, everybody. Oh, yeah, $2. Take it. Come on out. It'll be a fun time. The show's at 8 p.m., but uh, I'll be on during the 10 p.m. time block. But you should still come out early because it's going to be fun. You're going to want seats. See some really cool acts. Uh, also, I will on Friday, January 30th at 8 p.m., I am at the Grizzly Pair in New York City. That's down on McDougal between uh, 3rd Street and Bleecker. Uh, this, this one's not a live stand-up comedy show, but it is live. I will be on the Keith and the Girl podcast marathon uh, that is coming up this weekend and next week. Uh, Keith and the Girl is a very popular comedy podcast. Uh, run by Keith and Chemda, and they have invited me. They do a, uh, they're doing like a thirty-something hour podcast marathon straight through, and they asked me to come on as a guest during the marathon. So uh, I will be on the Keith and the Girl Marathon on Tuesday, January twenty-seventh at four thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can check that out at keithandthegirl.com uh, starting at four thirty Eastern. That's gonna be fun. How am I doing, everyone? Just got back from San Francisco. I am exhausted, but uh, fucking faking it really well. Yeah. Had a really fun uh, weekend out in San Francisco, uh, visiting one of my nearest and dearest close personal platonic friends. Got to hang out with her for a weekend. Uh, she showed me around the city, and Christ, was she trying to convince me to move. Maybe, maybe I would, if I had to move to any city, it would be San Francisco and Chicago as like a close second because there's really good stand up out there, but, uh, it's, oh man, it's so fucking beautiful. Just walk down the street dancing without a care in the world. Did some cool things, got wasted in the afternoon or morning. Christ did bottomless, did bottomless Bellinis. I had to quit doing Weight Watchers after the eighth Bellini. I was like, I guess that's not happening. But it was a really fun time out. I did a couple shows. I want to say uh, thank you very much to Sophia, who drove like 45 minutes to come watch me uh, perform over at the Milk Cafe and the Right Spot. 
uh, in San Francisco. So that was super sweet. Uh, it's always fun watching and seeing uh, Man Horror Podcast fans come on out, support me in my, my comedy endeavors. You know, because listen, it's not all orgy talk and crying because I'm lonely. It's not all that. Sometimes I tell real jokes. That happens. Here's something that came up in the news uh, over the weekend, and I want to address because I definitely related to this item. Kevin Hart, comedian Kevin Hart, is under some flack uh, because there's been this news item going around how he said on a radio show, he said that he would never play a gay uh, character, that he won't play a gay character right now. Some people were saying it's homophobic. Be like, oh, Kevin Hart, he won't play a gay character? Well, fuck him. You know what? This is, this is where you have to stop reading Twitter headlines and actually click a link and read or listen to the original content to, to see what, what was actually going down. Kevin Hart was on this radio show. They were asking him about roles he had turned down that he regretted. He said he regretted turning down the role for Tropic Thunder. Um, there's the the character uh, played by like Brandon Jackson. He's like clo- he's a closeted gay dude. He's a rapper. There's like some subtle homoerotic content because you can tell that the character wants to be out of the closet. And so he's talking about how he turned it down because there was some stuff in the in the in the script. He called it flagrant. Uh, he just said it was like it was kind of almost like too gay for him to do. And that's why he turned. It wasn't what the what we ended up actually seeing on screen, which is I would say a little more subtle and toned down. Which is, you know, kind of how that character should have been because the whole point is he's in the closet and it's comedic because we know he's gay and it's very subtly coming out more and more throughout the movie until he comes out. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Tropic Thunder. So Kevin Hart's uh, getting flack for this, and I gotta say I. I respect the reasoning. Here's what he said. Here's why he said he won't play a gay character. He said, uh, not because I have any ill will or disrespect. I can't because I don't think I'm really going to dive into that role 100% because of the insecurities about myself trying to play that part. Because he's not, guys, you guys are off the, I know Kevin Hart's in a lot of movies, so technically he's an actor, but you have to remember this guy's not a trained actor, Okay. He's a stand-up comedian. So he's not supposed to be able to like transform into a different person. Um, a lot of his roles that he plays, it's not like he's playing... He's not turning into someone else, really. He's playing very funny roles that are within the Kevin Hart spectrum. Whereas like in a parallel universe, he could, he could be that person. And I kind of relate. I, you know... I think about could I if someone brought me a sketch where I had to play a gay person or if I had to or even if I had to kiss another man like passionately in a scene whether it was for a role or just for a sketch you know I've thought about that and I don't know if I could why is that um I go through ways every like six to eight months. I probably do like a check and I was like, are we sure we don't like Dick? Are we sure? Cause like, I'm probably supposed to on paper with all my interests. No. Okay. Cause I always put myself there. I'll like imagine the cock. I'll be like, Oh, okay. And then it, then I imagine in or around my face and I'm like, uh, oh, the get away, get away. 
Like no tingles and jingles happen when I picture like a naked man. The most I can do is be like, oh man, that guy's really beautiful. Not in an attractive, like I'm attracted to him. It's more, oh man, I want to look like that. So I don't know that, and I'm also super neurotic in the sense that I don't think I, if I, I love making out. So if I had to make out with a man for a sketch, there's a part of me that's going to enjoy just the actual physicality of it, regardless of gender, because it's making out. And I think I can't handle the mind fuck that that could potentially cause. Because either I'll write it off and like a healthy person and just be fine, like whatever. I did this for a sketch or for a role. Or there's a part of me that will for three to four months just be constantly having that in the back of my head, questioning something that I'm not, that doesn't need to be questioned. So I understand what Kevin's saying here. He's saying, listen, man, I'm not that good of an actor. I can't get past my own insecurities to do a role. Do you know why? Because I'm not an actor. I'm a comedian. I got to agree with him. You know, he, he says, I'm not at that acting point in my career. He's not. And now, you know, he, he, he did say, listen, he didn't say never. You know, he said, I may do it if it makes sense, basically. He's like, if they bring me a script where I feel like this is what to do. You know, he wore a dress on Saturday Night Live. And he was saying people were upset that he kind of went back on his word and wore the dress. He's like, I don't know. I read the sketch. They brought me this script and it looked, it was funny. So I did it. Because it's funny. But if he had to like transform and be a different person, you know, they didn't ask him to do like a serious thing with that. They were just like, hey, it's a gag. So I know, you know, Kevin Hart's getting a lot of flack, but it, you know, I watched the actual video. I didn't just like read what some website like Huffington Post pulled from it to make a good story. I actually watched what came before and after and during that clip. And it really seems to be more about like, hey, I'm not in a secure enough place that I could do that because I'm not used to acting. So I thought that was interesting, you know. A lot of, lot of things come, in the, come up in the news from time to time, and this one was one where I feel like people are uh, give, being unfair. And, and to clarify, I'm not even a fan of Kevin Hart. I don't even like watching his movies. Dude had five movies in 2014, and I was like, that is like four too many. That's four and a half movies too many. When it comes to Kevin Hart, in my opinion. But I, do, I also don't think you should give some, you know, jump on someone just for a quote. I, I believe in reading for full context. Before I introduce this week's guest to the show, I want to remind everybody, guys, we've got the Man Whore Podcast condoms. What are these? These are uh, personalized, customized, FDA-approved latex condoms. Now, I've, I've got to go mail... Uh, some condoms to to a fan out in in Ireland tomorrow. You're gonna want these guys. They're they're great for any condom collection, guys and ladies. Because ladies, just because you don't have a penis doesn't mean you shouldn't be prepared. So how do you get one of the Man Whore Podcast condoms? Very simple. All you've got to do is go over and write a review for this podcast over on iTunes. Doesn't have to be positive. You could shit on me all day and give me one star if you'd like. I just want your honest feedback on the show, right? Write a review for the podcast on iTunes. Take a screenshot of yourself writing that review. 
and then email me that screenshot to manhorrorpod at gmail.com. Send over that screenshot and your mailing address. I will mail you a free Man Horror Podcast condom. And you're going to want them soon while they're still free. Because uh, as I start setting up some other things, I might start using them as uh, as merch. So those might be getting sold at some point. You're going to want to get in on this quick. So go over to iTunes, write a review. Let me know what you think about the podcast. I will happily send you uh, some safer sex tools. This week's guest, everybody, Polly Whitaker, also formerly known as Polly Pandemonium, more popularly known as Polly Superstar. Who is this woman? Uh, Polly Superstar, she is the founder of an international sex party called Kinky Salon. What is Kinky Salon? Kinky Salon is uh, not your average sex party. It's uh, And she, she goes on to tell us more about it, but it is a lovely, creative sex positive sexual community and i wanted to talk to her about i was out in san francisco she lives in san francisco i'm thinking why don't we just get together i shot her an email i barely had to say uh more than a few words because she said listen anything with man whore in the podcast i'm in let's do it i was like all right so we got together we talked about uh play parties you know the origin of this uh of kinky salon we talked about how she got into bdsm we do obviously some more talk about non-monogamy and polyamory you know she's a busy lady she does a lot of things she just uh she's starting a podcast too which you uh should all check out whenever it launches it's gonna be called kinky salon confessions she's also doing a video diary and she also recently had a book uh released out on amazon it's called poly sex culture revolutionary it's her memoir and she talks about it in the in the podcast. I want to uh, I want to read. If you go over to polysuperstar.com, you can actually read the first uh, couple of chapters of her book. And I want to read a, a little excerpt from the introduction. This this really kind of sums up what she will tell you about about Kinky Salon. You know, she says, "But sex culture." Guys, imagine this all by the way with a British accent. It both sounds sexier and way more intellectual but sex culture isn't just about sex it's about art community spirituality relationships gender family self-expression and most importantly love sex is a normal and healthy part of life and sometimes it can also be difficult sex culture isn't going to tell you what's right or wrong or put you in a box it just acknowledges that human beings are designed to be sexual We have a spectrum of self-expression available to us, and sexuality is part of it. Whether that's exploring the smorgasbord of sexual opportunities like an adventurer, or choosing to stay celibate until you meet someone who makes your knees wobble. Sex culture supports all choices and orientations between consenting adults, and sees them as part of a complex, cross-cultural, sensual, and aesthetic exploration. Sex is something to sing songs about and write poetry to. You might be surprised to hear that the majority of people who come to Kinky Salon don't come to get laid. They are deep hedonists. They come for the community, connection, and sense of family. Wait, now it sounds like a weird sex cult. Fuck it, maybe it is a weird sex cult, but it's my weird sex cult. So let's talk to the, uh, to the sex cult leader, Polly Superstar. 
I got yeah, again this it's mad, magical place. I love the decor, and then just in like this magical city, I, everything's <laughs> colorful. Mm-hmm. You guys have like bright buildings. Yeah, we do. It's uh, true. And murals. Have you seen the beautiful murals? I've not seen murals yet, oh. uh, but apparently, then I got to get shown those. Yeah, and they're like mystical too. They're not just like murals of like cities. They're like crazy, like psychedelic, like weird, like trippy murals. It's really cool. Oof. San Francisco. San Francisco. If I had to move from New York, it would be to San Francisco. I was here for like five days years ago, and I just thought, man, if, if I had an, a good excuse to move, I'm here. This is like seems like the place to be. And then also like you know the whole sex culture revolution being here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, I was blown away by this town when I arrived. I just fell in love immediately. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's not that New York's not its own, like, amazingly slutty city in its own right. But here, it's like, it's like, it almost seems like it's part of the culture. Yeah. Uh, I just, I dig that. Uh-huh. I'm more like-minded people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get a lot of, like, strange faces in New York sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, guys, we, we are, and ladies and everybody, we are, we are here with the... Polly superstar. Uh, <laughs> There's only one. <laughs> There's only one. Only one. Uh, f- formerly Polly Pandemonium. Uh, That's true. E- equally amazing. Names. I have many identities. Also, Polly Whitaker is my po- real name. Yes, yes. They all <laughs> sound fantastic. <laughs> You're very good at choosing your like special names. I didn't names. know how comedically British my name was until I moved to America, and then I was like, "My name's Polly Whitaker," and people would be like, "Oh, that's so cool." It's an adorable name. And I'd be like, "What is why?" Why is why are people having this weird reaction to my name? I had no idea until I lived here for a while. I was like, "Oh wow, Polly Whitaker is actually really incredibly British." Oh, it sounds so polite. <laughs> it sounds like the person who just always offers a handshake and uh-huh. hello. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very friendly sounding name. <laughs> uh, and, and and from what I've heard, you are a very uh, friendly gal yourself. I'm very friendly. Look, I let you in my home. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. That was very trust, very trusting of you. <laughs> so. Well, with a name like Manhor, how could I not? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> One of the few times that that title uh, has gone no has gone an automatic yes. <laughs> Sometimes I approach people, and I I feel almost apologetic, like I have to explain mm-hmm. because you. Sometimes you hear man whore and you think like a like a broy frat guy or uh-huh. someone who's trying to like conquest quote unquote mad bitches bro. Uh, and it's yeah, like, but those people don't have podcasts. Right. <laughs> well, no, you'd be surprised. There's a there's like a there's a podcast called Total Frat Move, and then there's also really? yeah, or and he's not that he's not like a bad. I know Jared. He's not like a bad guy, but he's he's a bro, uh-huh. you know. Or there's I remember there was a man horror podcast from years ago. They did like three episodes. Uh-huh. And I think when you, like how many times can you talk about finger banging before you have to like run out of material? Yeah, I, guess. I don't know. Because he stopped his. But, yeah, <laughs> Three I don't know. episodes apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did not do many. But I, so sometimes I get like self-conscious uh, that I'm going to be perceived as one of those people mm-hmm. where I'm like, no, 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 same team, same team. I swear, uh, <laughs> you know? Uh, I get like that at, at parties. If I go to a sex party by myself, I without a date or a, or a pal, as we'll explain to them uh, later, mm-hmm. I feel self conscious as people are looking at me. It's like, oh, there's like the cis straight white guy. Like clearly, he's here for the wrong reasons. Mm. And uh, as as some people have been telling me recently, it's in my head, but 
It's like my it's it's one of the few places where I feel self conscious for being a straight guy. It is know? interesting though. That's definitely a factor I think in play parties that you know the the straight men are looked down on because they are the ones that cause the most problems. Like there's absolutely no doubt about it that straight men at play parties um, cause more problems than anybody else. But that doesn't mean that all straight men are those kind of problem causes. And I think that um, trying to create a space where people like you, people who are like wanting to be in that space and not wanting to be a, an energy drain and wanting to give to it um, are welcomed and don't feel self-conscious and weird. I always have this thing about like, I really want straight men to come to my parties, straight <laughs> single men to come to my parties because otherwise how the fuck am I going to get laid? Yeah. I'm going to be fucking my friend again, you know? <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> or like we run out of batteries, like we need another one. We need another dick. <laughs> Send another dick. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've heard that as well. And and the more I go to things or I meet uh, people in, in the world... Or in the scene, it's I get more comfortable because they tell me things like that. I'd be like, no, you are a commodity because like mm-hmm. we need you. Sometimes it's you're gonna we're gonna run out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it is strange that that's like the one place I might feel uh, like not accepted for mm-hmm. that. But. And I've also heard it many times where you know cool straight guys are like, oh, you know, I'm not gonna come to Kinky Salon unless I have a date because mm-hmm. nobody likes a single guy. And I'm like, no, we do like single guys. And I think that there is a culture of being cautious and being, um, you know, sensitive towards single guys because they have traditionally been problematic. But I I don't know. I think times are changing. Well, everything is changing. I mean, this is the amazing thing about sex culture is that it moves really fast. Even within my memory of my lifetime, (laughs) things have changed a lot. how people are perceived and how people are received and what kind of, um, you know, what kind of structures there are and how, how people interact with each other. And it's really changed noticeably, um, you know, in my lifetime even. And certainly like since the seventies when stuff was like really crazy, I had this, um, I had this seventies themed kinky salon the other day okay. called game shows and pornos. And, um, that sounds awesome. it was really fun. And, um, you know, I was talking to, <laughs> I was talking to some of my friends who were around during that period in the seventies going to sex parties and asking them what the difference was between then and now so that I could kind of talk about it from the stage during the cabaret. And, um, the thing that I learned was, um, that during that period in the 70s, there was this sense of liberation, but there was no like communication and consent and safety Mm. and all of these things that we think are so important today. Um, during that time, it was more like this sense of liberation was overwhelming everything and everything, everything, all the rules felt constricting. And so there was this wave of openness, but really it made people vulnerable, particularly women as sex objects, as right, you know, right. women are so seen as sex objects. And so it would be like, um, if a woman was a no to something, then it would be like, what, are you not liberated? That was so, like that's like almost like the shitty way of like a guy trying to talk her in the bed. It's like, what? Well, if you if you say no to me, I, clearly you don't love yourself. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> clearly, you need you're to not, fuck me for yourself. That's really. <laughs> yeah, clearly you're not li- sexually sexually liberated if you don't want to fuck me. Was basically right. the, the answer. Prude shaming. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Maybe. Exactly. <laughs> and so and so. Um, 
And so the interesting thing I think is the difference between then and now is consent. Right, right. <laughs> which is uh, which is how I found you. So so to properly introduce you, uh, yes. so Polly Superstar, Polly Polly Whitaker, um, you are the the founder of Kinky Salon, an international uh, sex party or um, sexual party, maybe mm-hmm. even uh, to say. <laughs> Uh, also author of uh, of the book uh, Polly Sex Culture Revolutionary. Yes. Uh, and the new uh, the the host of a new podcast that super secretive I just found out about. <laughs> well, I just recorded my first <laughs> last night. It's called Kinky Salon Confessions. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> um, so, so just briefly, like, why don't you explain to the listeners like what Kinky Salon is? Okay. Well, Kinky Salon is a community that has um, satellite kind of parties happening all over the world. Um, it started in San Francisco about nearly 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, we did the first event in another city about six years ago. And um, the difference between, I mean, Kinky Salon is a party where people have sex. Let's make that clear from the outset. Um, But it's different from your average sex party for a a few different reasons. Um, The first thing is that it's uh, really community spirited. So it's very friendly. It's very warm. It's very loving environment. And um, everybody is like, it has this kind of a family feel to it, which makes it kind of sound like a sex cult. (laughs) Um, And some people would say that it is a sex cult, but I'm okay. With being a sex cult leader, <laughs> it's my vocation. Um, is your calling? <laughs> and um, all the events are volunteer run. There's lots of like collaborative kind of aspects to it, and um, it's so there's this like community vibe to it. That's one of the things. Um, another thing is that it's a very creative. So there are themes for each party. Everybody dresses up in costume, but really the costumes that are valued most are the ones that are like hot glue gunned, kind of put together in their living room, rather than someone who spends five hundred dollars on an outfit so it's all about right. people being creative um man that makes me feel bad uh december for triple xmas themed i uh, i just bought uh adorable knee-high socks and uh and like santa santa boxers that's perfect though that's great i mean i get, I get weird about the whole costume thing because i'm not a creative uh visually i can write things but uh costumes i get intimidated <laughs> and you know what a lot of people do get intimidated by the costumes and um my uh, advice to people who are wanting to go to a kinky salon who are scared of the costuming part are just just do something just do whatever like a little thing that, to make it fun and a um, little bit of effort And what I've seen happen many, many times over the years, it's not that you're not a creative person. It's not that you don't know how to costume. It's just that you haven't had practice. Ah. And it's just that you're a bit scared of how you might be received. So when you go to a kinky salon and you dress in your Santa boxes and your socks and you go and you look around and you go, wow, look at these people. That person made a just coiled a piece of tinsel around their head and they look awesome Mm -hmm. and you can like see all the different ideas and there's something about like once you start going I've seen people blossom I've seen people come to uh, parties being really shy and not knowing what to wear and being like oh the costuming thing really freaks me out to being like the biggest weirdos with (laughs) like you know the craziest things hot glued to their hats and um so it's all about just like want, wanting to see that kind of come out in people and bringing it out in people, bringing out that creativity mm. in people. Um, and so, yeah, the Kinky Salon has this creative vibe. There's a cabaret, but the cabaret is more like a showcase of what the community is doing. So mm. rather than being like, I like to separate 
um, you know, there's the the stage and the audience, and those are very separate, right? Okay. For, on, uh, during most events, um, like the things that are happening on stage, are like, wow, that's like I would never be able to do that. Like at Kinky Salon, we want it to be more like, wow, I kind of want to do something for the Kinky Salon Cabaret. Okay. We have it's it's more like friends performing for each other. Oh, you that's know? that's fun. Um, so it's this really s- sweet kind of homespun vibe and, um, and yeah, the kinky salon, um, the third thing that is really important about kinky salon is that we have these kind of tools in place to make it safe. Right. So it's a safe space. Um, we've got, uh, systems. Uh, one of them is the charter, which people, when they arrive, every single person who arrives, whether they've been to a kinky salon or not, gets read out the charter, which is basically like the rules of yeah, the party. Yeah. Um, and that means that everyone's on the same page when they arrive. And mm-hmm. there's a few other things as well to create a safe space. But those are the basic parts of it. Community right. spirited, <clears throat> creative and safe. Yeah. And that's how I found you originally. There was a, a great article in The Atlantic, which you guys, you know, uh, you guys, not you uh, as a plural, but just people not here listening. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> you can find the I'll link it in the show notes. There was this great article in The Atlantic mm-hmm. uh, about kind of basically how mainstream like we could as a country and as a world learn a lot um about consent from play parties and from the kink scene Mm -hmm. because it's just all about consent like you go to a frat party at a college uh there's you can like grope a girl and she could just like she could yell no but like that's kind of seen as a normal thing whereas in that party that would get you kicked out because absolutely and again each party i know has their own different things but i know the one i've been going to uh, I'm happy that this one was so consent heavy as well because they told me like, hey, if you were like talking to someone, you wanted to like touch their shoulder like while talking, you'd have to say, do you mind before you did any sort of contact? And I was like, right. wow, like we're really like asking permission for each and everything. Yeah. I had a girl ask like, do you consent to a kiss? In my head, I'm going like, of course I consent to a kiss, but that it, it those rules that make that that area safe and this article was talking about kinky salon and they were talking about you and talking about how you know play spaces are way safer than probably most bars or you know college parties you might go to absolutely that's very true um there is a level of um self-awareness and intention Mm -hmm. in in these kinds of play parties because there's because people are going to be sexual with each other um, and that's kind of known, then there needs to be this really explicit conversation about consent because because um, you're navigating this area that can be kind of tricky. Right. Um, and uh, it's definitely a lot safer at a kinky salon than it is at a bar. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And people are scared to come to a kinky salon, which I think is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> and I, if I had a dollar for every time somebody came through the door and spent an evening at kinky salon and then was like, oh my God, I've been scared to come here. I've been hearing about this for years and I'm ter- I've am i been so terrified. I can't believe how 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 normal it feels. It really is. It's just like a party that like you might go to where people are fucking each other kind of around you. Yeah. Or you're having or not. sex. I mean, at a kinky salon, we um, really specifically have areas that, where people aren't having sex. Okay. So there are social areas where you don't even, you can go to a kinky salon and never see anyone have sex. Okay. Um, it can just be like a colorful, creative party that you're going to and that you, and then you, you know, you're aware that there's sex happening somewhere in the building, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, over in an area that you don't have to go visit if you don't want to. Um, like I know a lot of people that come to kinky salon and, and never get laid and they're mm-hmm. not going there for the sex. They're going there for that sense of liberation and for that sense of freedom that having people in a space, 
space where sex is happening changes the vibe and it gives this sense of, you know, total like open expansiveness that right. um, that is really alluring, you know? It's a really beautiful space to hang out in, even if you're not getting laid. Yeah, there's a lot of, it's nice to be a, amongst like-minded people. I know, like, I know if I go to, so the, I go to play, like a party called Hacienda. And if I go- Oh yeah, I know those people. You know Hacienda? Yeah, yeah. So I just like that I know I can go there. It's a judgment-free space. Uh, I know I can just go and like meet new, very interesting people uh, because I don't, <clears throat> like outside of that, I'm not always in those worlds. Um, I'm not going to normally meet a girl who throws fire. Mm -hmm. But if I go to a, a play party, I might run into a, a chick who goes to Burning Man and likes to throw fi juggle fire. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, that's so cool. Um, where do I get to like see more of that? You know, <laughs> uh, it's just like like you said, a lot of creative, awesome yeah. Sometimes sexy minds, you know? Yeah. Underground community, you know, Kinky Salon has always been kind of a an underground event. It's, you know, even though it's um it's not uh it's not uh, we've never had a, a Burning Man camp. We've never right. had um a Kinky Salon at Burning Man, but we're both in the same city and we're both born of the same uh the same kind of culture. And right. I think that there's a lot of similarities between Kinky Salon and Burning Man in the sense of that openness, that sense of liberation, the volunteerism, the creativity, like all of these aspects. Um, the difference is for Burning Man, you know, the extreme thing that is happening mm. um, that kind of shifts your consciousness is being in the desert for a week. Whereas for Kinky Salon, the extreme thing that's happening is is that there's this open sexuality, but it, both of those things shift the way that you um, that you interact with right. people around you. Yeah. I'll clarify. I, I'm I don't go to Burning Man myself. I like showers too much. But like I I, I, I you hang can take with a that. shower at Burning Man. And I hear I hear it's been it's been more <laughs> difficult. There's a lot more planning involved, or it may be a shower. It is. Like, I can't I can't imagine coming from New York. Um, I know that people come from all over the world yeah. for it now, but it's bad. It's it's difficult enough to that, just that drive crew. the eight hours or whatever. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. It's it. Kinky salon and, and most play parties, safe safe space, a lot of consent heavy stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Um and and you know, as a country, campus rape and, and sexual assault is becoming like a huge thing. Uh not that it hasn't always been a huge thing, but finally we're we're getting some media attention around mm -hmm. it and trying to actually see if we can start working on this problem of like rape culture going on here. And again, this article that I read is just saying how we could learn so much from like the play space. And yeah. like, what, what are some things you think we could learn from, uh, say, a kinky salon in just like general, like at a, going to a bar? Well, I mean, I think communication is one thing that's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cultural structures that are just taken for granted, like uh, monogamy and the, the structure of dating and how it all works. And, you know, there's a lot of pr uh, presumption uh, around how things are going to work based on movies and songs and, you know, the cultural triggers that we right. get when we're growing up. Um, you have a picture in your head about how it's going to be. All the defaults. Yeah, all the yeah. defaults, exactly. And um, in play party community, um, there's none of those assumptions because everything is stripped away and you're making it up as you go along. And so all of the rules that we have for open relationships, for, um, for, for you know, promiscuous playing, for any, any of this stuff, 
is all rules that we use could all be used for for everyday day-to-day. You know, just talking about stuff mainly is the main one that we do a lot more. We communicate a lot more. You know, there's the joke that people say polyamory is all about (laughs) having lots of sex and actually it's about having lots of communication sometimes you can have some sex in between if, there, if there's time if there's time between processing <laughs> yes yes you have to have a conversation now i need my alone time so i can digest it and then we have to talk again about it and you know what? i've got two minutes before i have to go to work yeah, exactly <laughs> i think that there are di- many many different kinds of relationships mm-hmm. um uh there's a full spectrum of opportunities available for relationship models um in the past we've only been allowed one relationship model and that is one man and one woman sanctified by God Mm -hmm. for life and anything else is sinful or a failure or wrong and to be honest that model works fine for some people for a small percentage of people Um, but for most people that's a really hard model it's either just completely doesn't work for them at all or it's just you know, they beat themselves up about why they they keep failing at it, you know? And the truth is there's a multitude of relationship options available. People also have the perception that, like, polyamory, like, oh, I could never be polyamorous because it's just way too out there, mm. you know? That it's just way, like, oh, I could never, like, allow my husband to go on dates. Like, that would right. be too much. Oh, well, you know, or I could never allow my husband to have another wife. Like, whatever. Right. These things, this is not polyamory. I mean, it could be, yeah. but again, it's the same thing as like making those assumptions um, by a preset kind of set of ideas of what relationship is. There's a there's so many options in between those. Um, like, for example, you could explore being sexually open with your partner at a kinky salon but just with your partner. Like you could yeah. go to a party and play with just your partner. We have tons of monogamous people at Kinky Salon, people who aren't coming to play with other people. Or you could say, I'm just going to have cuddle dates. I want to find cuddle people dates. Oh, who are going to be cuddle so dates good. and they're non-sexual cuddle dates, but you have intimacy, you have bonding and sharing and oxytocin and cuddles, but it's non-sexual and you have like there's So there's so many options available yeah. to people and it's all about what you're okay with, yeah. what you're comfortable comfortable with and how you want to live your life and and again it comes down to communication exactly i think yeah it's like i try to tell them like listen if, if one if monogamy is your thing that's great but i just i believe that a relationship can be whatever two or three or four or 12 people want that relationship to mm-hmm. be and you just make your own rules that's like kind of the beauty of the whole concept of non-monogamy is just yeah like you guys do the whole like we have multiple dates uh, here uh, we just fuck other people. Here we only play together with others, and yeah, you know, it's there. It's, it's there really are some great. people that do things like they're only allowed to play at parties, right? Or they're only allowed to, you know, go a certain amount into sex. Like you know, they save penetrative sex for their for partner, other, but they yeah. have they can go as far as oral or like whatever it is. Like yeah. you can make up your own rules. Like this is your life. It's your relationships. It's your heart. It's your pleasure. 
and you get to make your own decisions about how to live your life. People often ask me if I'm polyamorous because right. obviously, obviously my name is Polly. <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah, how that didn't work out, uh, it, was, it was amazing. But I was, I was born Polly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's my actual name. Yeah. I didn't make that up. I, and when I moved to San Francisco, I didn't even know the term polyamory because polyamory was relatively new 15 years ago. As like a buzzword. Yeah. As like a buzzword. You're like, I've already been doing this. This is the open relationship. That's what I called it right. in London was open relationship. Um, but over here, it was like this concept of polyamory. And everyone thought that my name wasn't my name. But it is. Um, and uh, and I don't actually identify as polyamorous. I don't mm. identify as anything. Because I feel like when you say, this is what I am, you're like putting rules on what people will expect you to, how people will expect you to act. And the whole point was to not have those rules <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. Exactly. And, and who knows? Like, I don't even know what my future holds. Like, I might be monogamous one day. I don't know. Like, there might be things that happen in my life. I'm never ruling anything out. I mean, I can't imagine... You know, at this point in my life, mm. um, meeting somebody who I would say I'm never going to fuck anyone else for the rest yeah. of my life. That, to me, is insane. <laughs> Same. The idea <laughs> that I'm never going to fuck anyone else for the rest of my life is kind of retarded. I mean, it's kind of dumb. I'm just like, that just doesn't make but any Polly, sense. But Polly, it's a <laughs> sacrifice. You're sacrificing for your love. It's like, I don't know, I wouldn't want my love to be like fucking sexually miserable uh, if, if she gets a little bit bored of me every like once in a while. Sacrifice. Why do you have to sacrifice? Exactly. For love? That, I don't understand. The thing is, you don't. And the thing is, too, is that like you all you you're always going to be compromising. That's yeah. what relationships about. You're always going to have to meet in the middle. So whether you're sacrificing because you're saying, okay, I am know that I'm going to fuck someone else at some point in my life, and I don't actually want that to end my relationship. Yeah. So I need to. <laughs> I need to create a space where I'm okay with that because it's inevitable that it's going to happen. And that might be hard and I might get mm -hmm. jealous sometimes, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make for the longevity of my relationship. Right. That's also a sacrifice. Yeah. So Arguably way harder to like manage jealousy. <laughs> either way is a sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, and monogamy, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the easy option um, long term. I think it's a hard option long term. But I also feel like, you know, it's avoiding the inevitable mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. I mean, maybe when I'm like, you know, 75, I'll be like, okay, pfft, now I'm ready for monogamy. Because <laughs> <laughs> at that point, it's like, oh, no, it's going to be like a five, 10 year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's talk about you a little bit. You're, um, <clears throat> because it's very interesting. You have this whole attitude on things. You know, you, you were raised, you're, correct me if I'm wrong, you're, I do, I do a little bit of research. Okay. I do a little bit of homework. <laughs> uh, your mom was a sex therapist. That's right. Yeah. So, how were you guys like how did you how did they teach you about sex and sexuality and dating well sex was um sex was always something that was um that was an, like an open book like mm. i was never I was nothing was ever held back from me mm. um, I was aware when I was really young I think one of the reasons that I got so obsessed with sexuality as kind of a, a concept um, was that when I was young my mom would talk to me very openly about sex but if I tried to talk about sex in front of other adults they would act really weird right. they would be like <gasps> 
And I would be like, something is going on here. Like I could sense the power of what was going on. There was some power in sexuality that adults were afraid to talk about it, that they acted weird when I talked about it. And that to me was like, what is going on here? I was like a kid and I was like totally compelled. And so I was, um, you know, quite an inappropriate child at many times. Uh, I would like uh, come out with, with You were things. the one who went to school, was like, oh, for show and tell. Yeah. Uh, for D I'm going to tell you I'm about blowjobs. Yeah. <laughs> I brought in a dildo for show and tell. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, that was um, that was always kind of very um, open. And my parents themselves, um, you know, they were always very open about relationships and open and about talking about things. And I remember very specifically, um, there was one time when I said, I asked my mom, um, who do you love more, me or my sister? And she said, well, I don't love either of you more. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. You have love, like, and it was like in my little dual duality, finite kind of child brain. A zero sum game. I, yeah, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't get over the fact that I thought that she loved my sister more than she loved me. And she said to me, no, it's just different. Uh, love is like a rainbow. And I can love your sister blue. Okay. And I can love you red. And they're different. So she can love six, uh, six colors. <laughs> six in the seventh. No, I the mean, come on. There's a, there's a gazillion. <laughs> Have you seen the Pantone palette? Come on. There's a gazillion colors. Um, and so she was saying that 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 love that love is different. And that was a concept that I grasped really young. This idea that love was something that I can love you. You know, taupe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd hate to be the taupe kid. Oh. And I love you, puce. I'd rather be maroon. If anything, oh, that's to be the taupe kid. You know, you got the short end of the straw. It's like in the kid with like the weird name. Like when you were named after uh, something on the desk because mm -hmm. I ran out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I was te taught these concepts really young um, of loving very openly and of you know having this understanding that that love was something that was super expansive and not something that was limited or. Um, limited to one person, right? And that's always been the uh, and from anyone I've I've talked to, because listen, I am young, I'm twelve, so I rec <laughs> I recognize not being the uh, authority on everything or anything. Um, but in, in, in talking about polyamory or any sort of of that, uh, that's always the the main go to example is like, well, you wouldn't tell a parent that you can't love all the kids equally, so why couldn't you love? three girlfriends and boyfriends equally. Yeah, you know? I mean, the the thing is, people say, I mean, I think one of the arguments about polyamory is that it's impossible to love more than one person at once. Mm, but no. I mean, I don't, I, I don't understand what the overwhelming evidence, yes. not just from polyamorous people, but from the gazillions of people who were cheating on their partners <laughs> with people they really love and the, like, di like risking destroying their lives right. over this intense love that they have for this other person. I don't think I don't think that's a valid argument anymore. No, I just think been, yeah. I just think it's a silly, silly thing to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think as 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 soon as people start to realize that they had the option. You know, I never tell people like, oh, like you shouldn't be monogamous. I'm just like, I just want you to know that there is an option. And then if you still choose that that's how it works for you, cool. I just want you to know you have a choice. It's like I don't want you to fall into Catholicism because that was you that's the only option for you. If you decide, oh, I really dig this Buddha guy and I 
It's like, fine, just know that you have choices. Well, and I, I think, Matt, you've just summed up kind of modern global culture, which is that um, in the past, uh, historically, wherever you were born, there was a belief system that you didn't have any choice about. You were born into whatever country it was. You were going to be Catholic or you were going to be a Buddhist. You had no choice. There was no, there was not even a concept that there was another option. Yeah, you didn't know that there were Jews. Like, you had no idea. You were just born into what you were. You and, and this was a structure, and marriage was the only option. There was no other options. And you know, as the world got smaller, as we began to see each other and see all these other cultures, I think that this is when people started to understand that they had a choice about their own morality, mm -hmm. right? And it boils down to like you know, choice of religion. Um, like, oh, I can pick a religion. I can pick my morality. I can say what's important to right. me. I'm no longer being told, um, f you know, absolutes. I'm being told, well, these are the options and you should respect this other person's religion. And it's like, oh, well, so now I can make choices about myself. Now I can, you know, make moral choices about myself. And that's when, you know, queer culture really started to grow and, you know, alternative relationships, alternative lifestyles. And people are starting to, to be like, yeah, I'm ready to make my own choices. And this was something mm -hmm. that I was thinking about when I first arrived in San Francisco 15 years ago. Um, the company that I started, which was actually a latex fashion design company. Okay. But I, I named it the moral minority with this idea that just because we are in the minority, just because we're not the, the overarching storyline, doesn't mean that we're less moral. And in fact, from my experience, people who create their own moral structures tend to be more um, uh, stick to them more because they actually believe them. They yeah. actually care. They're not being forced to do something they don't want to do. They actually believe them. And so more people in the moral minority tend to um, actually have more um, sway in what they say with their morals. And so I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I've always been in support of. And um, even though it was just a latex fashion design company at the time, um, that was a, that was kind of a goal of mine was something that I wanted to, to bring to the world was this, this concept. Yeah, and then and then you start Kinky Salon out here in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Like, how's that? How did that get started? Were you already into group sex or the kink scene? Like, how how well, that transpire? I, I went to my first fetish club when I was sixteen. Oh man, oh. What, what, what was the age of consent in uh, in Britain? Sixteen. Is sixteen? Oh <laughs> yeah. You, but I you was marked it down on the calendars like I can almost go. Can almost. I go. was I was pretty much jailbait though. I mean, it was it was it was pretty. Um, you, it was, you had your starter whip kit. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I mean, they didn't even have that kind of shit back in the day. I mean, I went um, I went to this to this club with my friend from school. We had skin two. We had discovered in the back pages of Skin Two magazine this. Um, uh, this this event was happening and Skin 2 was like the fetish magazine in England and it was like it changed my world when I first looked at this magazine because I was like wow all these like shiny images of leather and latex and mm -hmm. bondage and I was just like completely overwhelmed and compelled by them and we went to this uh, this event and um, we walked in the door and it was just a bar, like a like brown carpets and maroon seats, and like you know, like a like a British pub. Bar, yeah, and um, and we were like sat down in the corner in like like our underwear basically because we didn't have any fetish clothes. We were just like in like little little uh, you know corsets and you know whatever, and um, and we sat there for a while and we were like hanging out and these guys kind of sl slid over like, hey, can we buy you a drink and. Um, and I was we're here for the kink party sorry yeah. <laughs> well I mean everybody looked a little edgy you know 
And um, this guy, I was kind of talking to him and he was wearing this leather jacket and looked kind of manly. And I was like, oh, I felt so grown up, you know. And he was like, can I buy you a drink? And I was like, sure. And he stood up and from the waist down, he was just wearing a leather thong and and patent stiletto thigh boots. Okay. And he kind of swaggered to the bar like his hairy kind of masculine butt cheeks kind of <laughs> moving. And he, I was like... He sashayed a little bit yeah. for you. And I was like... Ooh, wow. And that was like my first step into the fetish scene. And downstairs in this bar, there was a dungeon. Ah, and, okay. Um, the first dungeon trip. Yeah, my first dungeon. And um, and the people, they kept asking us if we wanted to go downstairs. And we were like, no, no, we're fine. What's downstairs? I don't know. I'm scared. Um, <laughs> and eventually we, went, we did go down there, but we didn't even make it down the stairs. We went halfway down the stairs and kind of looked and went, whoa, and turned around. Ran and out. were like shocked and horrified and compelled. And like, you know, the next day at school, my friend was like, what did you think of that last night? That was kind of, I don't know. It's kind of weird. And we were like, yeah, no, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of gross. Yeah, but it's kind of, should we go again next week? Yeah, let's go again next week. <laughs> really hot though <laughs> yeah and so i started going to fetish clubs when i was really young i got into latex fashion um when i got out of art school and um was completely embroiled in that scene in london and when i moved here in 99 um there wasn't actually that much going on here i mean apart from like Folsom street fair and queer fetish like gay man fetish stuff um there wasn't a, a whole lot of um of parties and stuff like fetish parties so i started one and um uh, so you're like in your 20s when you start mm-hmm. this yeah and oh. uh the first the first club that i started was called rubbish because um, <laughs> it was like latex themed right so, okay oh, funny right and i liked i like to say we are the moral minority and our club is rubbish that was like my right. favorite line <laughs> and um and that was like in some sleazy bar in downtown san francisco and um and then I found a space, like a venue, um, which I named Mission Control, which was this gorgeous, awesome, amazing little slice of San Francisco perfection. It was like all Victorian, like floral wainscoting and panel doors. And like, it was just absolutely gorgeous. And um, and I was there uh, and started throwing parties and... Um, and that was where Kinky Salon was born, okay. was at Mission Control. Um, we lost Mission Control last year, unfortunately. Uh, Rest in peace. <laughs> like uh, a dear friend. <laughs> yes. It was um, a victim of San Francisco gentrification. Um, and you're, you're welcome. That's everyone who looks and dresses like me. That's, yeah, fuckers. You're, you're, that's, that's our fault. <laughs> it's my generation. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're well, pricing people out of yeah, everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I haven't, I haven't given up on the San Francisco dream at this mm-hmm. point. This is, <laughs> this is actually the year, uh, what I'm saying is that 2015 is the year that the San Francisco subculture reclaims san francisco that is what i'm saying okay that is what i'm saying guys I'm just happened that i'm putting that flag in the ground and i'm saying this is the year we reclaim this city and take it back <laughs> and um and i think that if enough people get behind that concept mm-hmm. then it then it will happen by subculture you mean uh the whole like like specifically which which of the many subcultures I mean or everything. you want all of them yeah i mean everything the vampires the punk guys <laughs> and the kinky people all come I mean, together 
to kick out Big Brother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we can live side by side. I don't oh, we think can? we need to. Okay. I don't think we need to kick them out. <laughs> um, I like the tech industry. I like um, a lot of the people that are in the tech industry. They're innovative thinkers. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people, real pioneering spirits, uh, coming to this town and, and making things happen that are changing the world. I think that the tech industry is amazing, and I think that being in San Francisco, being at the forefront of that, I think is really positive for this town. Um, I just think that we need to figure out how to live side by side because because um, all the things that are wonderful about San Francisco, the reason that these people want to come here because of that sense of pioneering and that sense of um, liberation and freedom that you get here um, will will be lost if the subculture of San Francisco, if the arts um, and the sex culture and um, the weirdness and the quirkiness of yeah. San Francisco leaves because they can't afford to be here anymore. That's always so. what kind of made San Francisco San Francisco to me. Exactly. You know? So Without that, it's... Um, you know, it's San Jose. It's San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> and who really wants to be San Jose? No offense to anyone listening from San Jose. We're just saying San Francisco is way better. There's <laughs> a re- well, I mean, there's a reason why the tech people want to live in San Francisco, even though most of them work down, uh, you know, further down <laughs> south. Yeah. It's because San Francisco is, there's a lot more, you know, quirky, weird, fun shit happening here. Yeah. <laughs> So like like Kinky Slum. So you start that. You start that on Mission Control. Going mm-hmm. well. Starts opening up in like other cities. Yeah. Uh, like London. Oh, what I got? London, Berlin, Copenhagen, New York, New Orleans, Portland. See, I do homework. Yeah. Uh, NoCal. Right. Is NoCal. That I know. You know that's kind of funny. That's a, like that? a, a little bit of a of a. Um, of a secret code there. Okay, <laughs> I just I was like, oh, let me let me know. Northern, make sure I know my things. Northern California. Um, uh-huh. We we have a we have a kinky salon which is up north of San Francisco, very near to a hot spring, and um, a that l- sounds. Yeah, so it happens. So good. It happens in a town called Middletown, and there's a there's a wonderful hot spring very nearby. And so um, we go up for the weekend, have the kinky salon in the the hotel in Middletown, and then go soak for the weekend. And it's gorgeous. <clears throat> oh man, that sounds great. And we're just about to open LA. Hot news. Oh, that's happening on March 14th. Hey, hot sexy times yeah. in LA, guys. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so now, when somebody wants to go to a kinky salon or any sex party, let's say they got uh, an invite. Like I had a friend. A buddy of mine, he wants to go. And like you said earlier, he, he wants to go with his girlfriend. They don't want to play with other people. He was all worried about it. He was, and again, I'm not an expert uh, mm-hmm. on, on sex parties. But don't worry, I am. Yes, yes. That's why, <laughs> that's why you're here today. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to, I wanted to acknowledge that when someone's asking me, it's because like the other comedian, I, I sometimes will talk about it on stage. Mm-hmm. Or I'll have a joke. You, know, you do one orgy joke and that's all anyone wants to talk to you about anymore. <laughs> well, like my buddy, he's like, hey, you know, like me and my girlfriend want to go, but like we don't want to fuck anybody else. He's like, oh, you don't have to. You know, it's not like you come in like you to gain entry. You have to like make out with ten people. You just uh, this go is a and, common yeah. misconception that um, that somehow you have to play with other people if you go to no, a party. Yeah. You don't have to play at all. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to play with each other. Yeah. And in fact, um, you know what I really recommend to people who are first timers coming to events. Um, and there are different events out there. Right. So be careful about like check into the the kind of event that you're going to because there are some that are just full on 
orgies that yeah. you have no choice that you'll walk in the door and there'll be a big pile up in front of you and you'll be expected to join in like kinky salon is not like that mm-hmm. kinky salon is more like a just a regular party and then there's stuff happening in the in the play spaces um but one of the things that i recommend to couples who are coming for the first time is to not play with anyone else in fact don't even flirt with anyone else come to the party to be with each other mm-hmm. and be with each other and see how that feels. And if while you're at the party, something happens and there's someone's really hot yeah. and you're both a bit drunk and you're like, May, you know, hey, what do you think? Shall we actually go do that? Don't fucking do that. Make an agreement about what's going to happen and don't do it. Come to the party. Take baby steps. Right. Come there's to always the party. another, as, as Jefferson told me, uh, there's always another party. You yeah. can always do it next time. And then come to one party. Enjoy yourselves. And then go home and talk about it mm-hmm. and be like, yes, I felt really safe and that felt really comfortable. Let's next time, how about we try flirting with each other? But, I mean, flirting with other well, yeah. people, but... I mean, hopefully you should still flirt with each other. Keep can, it exciting. You can make the rule that you're always holding hands, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So if I'm going to be flirting with somebody else, I'm going to be holding your hand. Like, that's a great rule that makes you feel super safe. It's an adorable rule. Right? I love that. Um, and there's all these little baby steps that you can take until, you know, you might be ready to play with somebody else or another couple. Or you might not. Like, you might never do that. You might only ever come to the kinky salons and flirt. Mm-hmm. And even that flirtation space, see, that's a that's a thing that we're not allowed to do in our culture. And for me, flirtation is like part of my language. It's part of the way I communicate. Mm-hmm. And the idea that I'm not allowed to flirt with people it, or that my flirting or my being myself is somehow like damaging to somebody else's relationship. To me, I find that really difficult. I find it really mm-hmm. difficult to be around a space where I can't flirt with people. Yeah. And so, Even if you don't necessarily intend on fucking them, it's just... Even if I don't intend on <coughs> anything, it's just yeah. how I like to communicate. Yeah. I like to I like to hold hands with people. I like to put my arms around them. I'm a very tactile person. I feel you. I use a lot of winky face emojis, even <laughs> if I don't truly mean it like that. I just, I just like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so that flirtation space, I think, is somewhere that's really fun to explore. It's really fun to explore with a partner, flirting with other couples or, you know, going off and flirting on your own, yeah. even with the, knowing that you're not nothing else is going to happen. It, it's just fun. Yeah. It's just good times. Why not? So long as you uh, communicate. I remember uh, the first two I went to. So now the first Hacienda I go to, I go to with a date who I was just fucking. Um, I knew her a little bit well enough that I thought communication could work. And uh, she was not very good. She did not want to do it. She it made her uncomfortable. And I said, listen, before we go, we got to like meet and we got to kind of talk this out because it was going to be, you know, it wasn't my first time in a group, but first time at a party. Mm-hmm. It was her first time doing anything like this. So I was like, it's very, like, we should definitely talk this out, talk over what we're comfortable with, mm-hmm. boundaries. And you know what? Like there, there were some awkward moments that night because there were miscommunications because she just didn't want to do it. And the second party I go to, uh, the second I see, I bring a date who is very much about communication. She's in an open relationship, so she's all she knows. Like communications is a thing she has to do uh, to make that work. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We had a great time. I, you know, we we didn't say we're not going to play with anyone else, but you know, obviously that we had veto power for each other because we were there for each other. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment in the during the party uh, we had not had penetrative sex yet. Like I had gone down her. I was a little shy at the time. I couldn't really fuck her yet. So it was fine. Like we went, we went upstairs, we hung out. She was talking to a guy. He want he asked if 
you know, they wanted to go play downstairs. She came over to me. She's like, w- do you mind if I go have sex with this guy? And I was at the time I was feeling, uh, like kind of vulnerable. I was feeling a little insecure. And mm-hmm. I said, do you mind staying with me right now? And she's like, not at all. And she just told the guy, yeah, no, I'm going to stay here. And then she, we hung out and then later <laughs> we fucked and it was fine. Or we played with this other couple. Um, that communication so key yeah for me not have for us both being able to have a good time yeah, absolutely you know, not being afraid of hearing a no if you ask for permission like i, I hate it when people ask for permission w- when they're inviting a negative answer that they don't want to hear yeah and then they get really upset when they hear the negative answers like then don't ask that yeah. question that way you know <laughs> absolutely absolutely there's yeah. all of that it's like totally that's the way to do it is to be okay with and there's something kind of sweet and nice too about being like no actually i just want to hang out with you they're like oh i'm stoked you want to hang out with me that's awesome you know like whatever way it is i think it's just being on the same page and communicating really openly and you know making agreements like you say before Mm -hmm. you go that's so important so many people i've had to coach you know sitting on the couch at mission control um you're the sex party coach and i gotta (laughs) say it's normally the guys Mm -hmm. it's normally the women who are like Woo, I'm gonna go have go. fun. Yeah. And the guy is like left on the couch, like, oh my God, my date is in the back room getting laid by like four dudes, and I don't know what to do because I'm like, I just don't, I don't know how to participate. And I'm like, right. did you have a conversation about what was okay before you came? And then he's like, well, it was my idea to come here. <laughs> this is, I've had this conversation so many times. I can times. imagine, I can imagine. It was my idea to come here in the first place. So I didn't even think to, you know, because right. I was already asking so much of her. There's going to be thing. all these sluts at this party. I'm probably going to get. <laughs> so much pussy well and now you're on the couch by yourself while she's getting laid in the back yeah and it's a tough one and also you know like how like how far does it go with those kinds of things i mean i had a you know i was in a a a 10-year polyamorous relationship with my partner scott who started kinky salon with me Mm. and um you know we had an, an agreement because we were you know partners right we had an agreement that was an a, a wink and a nod and that was easy right a wink and a nod it's like all you need just and that's basically like that's so british i need that's so to, british <laughs> wink wink and a nod that's yeah all. <laughs> that was it you can't mistake that and it but you but it's like in in casual conversation you can do that and somebody won't even sense like right. the people that you're talking to and it was a really good way to be able to be like hey can i just check in with you you know yeah. um and so that that was a really great thing for me that helped me feel safe because one of the difficult things is like if you're in a situation and you're flirting and you're open and you you're you're in an open relationship and you have these defined boundaries but the but the boundaries are really wide you know then it's it and there's moments when you suddenly don't feel safe even though you're within a prescribed boundary to be able to be like actually this isn't okay with me Mm-hmm. is okay as well to be like yeah that's okay no it's not <laughs> you don't know how something is going to feel until you're feeling it mm-hmm. and you can be like totally like oh yeah totally oh you can totally come and have a date yeah that was one that happened to us um you can totally come and have a date in the house while i'm there yeah mm-hmm. totally that'll be fine i'll just be in the in the other room i'll read a book or something it doesn't bother right. me yeah totally and then i'll be like on the couch reading a book being like oh my god this, this feels me. this feels really shitty i don't want to do this like i don't like being next to it i'm like sh- like being shut out of the fun this isn't good and so you know like at that point you know i went and knocked on the door and i was like hey hi sorry <laughs> 
this doesn't feel good anymore. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, come in, come in. Right. I'm so glad you said something. <laughs> 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 you know, so I think just being really real is, you know, the, the, the um, key to happiness yeah. in those kinds of situations. Communication, communication, communication. Mm -hmm. And just because you, you communicate all the time doesn't mean every time is going to feel awesome. Sometimes you're, it's going to not feel good. And then you go and talk about it so that maybe it doesn't, you know, happen mm -hmm. like that again. Yeah, that's one of the things that people have said that they enjoy about my book is that I tell a lot of stories that are that are hard and messy and like not mm -hmm. fun. Um, I feel like, you know, there's this idea that like polyamory is somehow like this utopian kind of thing where like everyone is like nobody has like difficult emotions and people are just like, oh, well, once you free yourself from jealousy, you're just able to. And it's yeah. like but there might be some people who could do that. Yeah. But sometimes you're going to feel <laughs> jealous and then you're going to talk about it. Uh, it, just, it doesn't mean the bad feelings never happen. Just probably going to happen a little less often i'm glad you bring up the book um i have two questions left for you one yes. of them is you have this book that is out now uh poly sex culture revolutionary yes uh is a memoir that's correct, correct. uh it tell it didn't start off like that right no it didn't when what? i first started writing the book it was actually a uh how-to guide uh -huh. so i was trying to create a a book that would allow the kinky salons around the world to be able to read it and understand uh how to throw the parties and so instead of just telling people how to do things i was telling the stories around why we do things the way we do them um and uh then I, one day I had writer's block and I didn't know what to write next. And I uh, was doing a writing class at the time. And the, t the teacher told me, like, just write about anything. Like, forget the book. Yeah. Forget everything. Just write about anything. Just whatever sparks your imagination. And, um, and I started to write about, like, the serious stories. Like, the hard, the hard stuff of my life that I was like, this is kind of irrelevant to Kinky Salon. Stuff about my father's death. Stuff about, you know, my childhood. And... I found that the writing that I was doing was so much more real and authentic and some of the best stuff that I had written. And I was like, oh, wow, this is what the book is about. And this actually does, you know, it is all to do with Kinky Salon. It's all the story of Kinky Salon. It's like how mm -hmm. I came to be here and, you know, all of those difficult stories that got me here, my heartbreak and my grief and... Um, and uh, and so the book kind of transformed halfway through writing it into something that was more personal. Yeah, and then and then becomes this whole uh, this memoir thing, and then and then the, it seems like the kind of kinky salon stories now are gonna like kind of turn into this podcast with kinky salon uh, confessions. Yeah, well, I mean, kinky salon confessions is going to be. Um I'm going to be traveling around a lot in the mm. next few months, uh, going and visiting a lot of kinky salons all over the world. And um, I wanted to... Everyone's going to be like, the Messiah is here. <laughs> I'll stop it. She has arisen. <laughs> she has come. She has returned to us. <laughs> you can put the Kool-Aid down. She's here. <laughs> Don't go to the spaceship. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, well, hopefully not. You're going to be the like big that. celebrity, I, I would imagine. Um, it's the one place I'm famous. Are you? Do you just get like a line of people who want to like just hook up with you? Is that just a line at Kinky Salon? Everyone's just like, oh my God, Polly's here. Like I really... No. <laughs> it's actually surprisingly... Like people are often surprised when I say that because of who I am, because of like this, um, this picture that people have in their head, about who I am yeah. getting laid at parties isn't actually that easy for me because everybody is scared of me and people have all these ideas about like what 
like, oh, like, she's probably way more sexually experienced than me. And like, oh, I don't know if I can. Like, people get genuinely scared of me. And so um, it's a weird, it's definitely a weird place to be. Like, I'm definitely a weird, it's weird. And you're just like, will somebody please fuck me? Please. Right here. Well, also, I'm usually working too. So that creates a whole. Are you usually volunteering at the. Yeah, that creates a whole other dynamic too, um, which is, you know, that, that, that I actually have shit to do too right. I, I can't just go and get laid um however much i'd like to so um so it's 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 definitely a balance um but uh yeah i'm going to be traveling around to these kinky salons and visiting and what i wanted to do was um really connect the community together um by sharing stories um and so i'm going to be interviewing people in each city and um podcasting these stories back but not just like the titillating stories of kinky salon not just the fun good times but also the the kind of personal stories Mm. the transformative stories the the um the pivotal moments that people have had and you know the deeper stories of kinky salon because Mm -hmm. that's really the thing uh, that's really what kinky salon is about it has this external kind of picture of being this kind of uh, hedonistic like narcissistic kind of like um good times you know Uh but that's not what it is at all and when once people arrive they realize just how different it is and how heartfelt it is and how uh, how much it's really more about sexual liberation than it is about hedonism Mm -hmm. and um so those are the stories that i want to hear from people those moments of you know of feeling that sense of freedom and um and of like the changes that it made in people's lives yeah that's all that sounds like all awesome stuff and you guys should all go check that out uh is that is uh it's not up yet but it will be it will be soon okay i just have some technical difficulties (laughs) (laughs) yeah we 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 we, i felt like we were just a couple of apes like at a computer we're trying to figure out how to like make her recent recording play and none of it on garage band none of us could do it and then you realize oh maybe the output and like ah we've made fire you know yeah 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 it's true i'm trying to figure this stuff out so i'm trying to do it all myself so um um the other thing that i'm going to be doing is the sex culture revolutionary video diary which is also going to be starting soon um and for that i have uh, someone helping um, an editor so i'm going to be sending footage back from all of these places this is going to be more about me and my personal story and what i'm up to and like who i'm meeting and cool things that i come across and um you know maybe some footage from the cabarets and stuff like that to like really send back um so that people can uh see what's going on in the other cities all over the world that's awesome yeah that's awesome so so kinky salon if someone's listening they're curious they they live near one of these cities the other one i didn't mention uh austin has one yes uh do you have any tips for them or how how can they get involved how can they go to a kinky salon well, one of the things that I kind of pride myself on about Kinky Salon is that it's really accessible. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think it's important that everybody is welcome at a Kinky Salon. Um, and we don't have, we're no, you know, we're not like those parties which screen um, for looks or, you know, that kind of... Do you do some sort scene. of screening process? No, there's no, no screening no, process. Not at all. There's no screening process. Everybody is welcome at a Kinky right. Salon. Okay. Our entry policy is yes. Okay. <laughs> and um, it, depending on the city, each city has its own uh, membership kind of system. But um, so some of them will ask you to answer a couple of questions. Right. But that, that's more to get you on the same page mm-hmm. so that you are having some consciousness and some thought put into how you're engaging with the community okay. more than like judging you on your answers. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, each city just there's I mean, you can go to the main website, which is kinkysalon.com mm. and you can access all of the websites of all the different cities and just um, apply for membership and um, and go to a kinky salon. <laughs> My advice would be go. Just go. Check it out. Whatever fears you have, whatever party you think this is, let go of that image in your head. Just let it go. <laughs> I love that. I'm a big mush. So you, anytime, anytime you talk in, in in bigger concept language, I'm just gonna be like, oh, that sounds awesome. Um, well, well, Polly, this was amazing. Uh, thank you so much for for having me in your wonderful home and, uh, Yay, and chatting you. with me. And uh, everybody, if, if you're listening, uh, there'll be you know links in the in the show notes. But you know, check out her book. Poly Sex Culture Revolutionary, which is uh, on yeah, you can get it on Amazon, Amazon. or anywhere online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, and uh, and then also check out the podcast when that's up. Any of that uh, they can check through your website, correct? Right. Yes. Which is uh, polysuperstar.com. That's right. Can't forget that one. <laughs> Can't forget that one. <laughs> and that's Polly with two L's. Two L's, two L's, <laughs> as opposed to the poly we've been talking about, exactly. uh, which is the singular L. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for talking to us and. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a good place. Say Yay. say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Oh, wasn't that fun everybody? Super great uh chat for, with uh with Polly. Again, if you want to check out what she's up to, go over to polysuperstar.com. You can read the first couple of chapters of her book, Polly Sex Culture Revolutionary. Uh, also, you can stay up to date about her upcoming projects like the podcast and the video diaries. Also, you can check out how to go to your own uh, local Kinky Salon chapter just by going to kinkysalon.com. And if you want to check out Polly on Twitter, which you should, she's over uh, on Twitter at Polly Superstar. As usual, I'm, I hope that you are uh, subscribed to the Man Whore Podcast over on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you like to listen to the show. Hope you're subscribed. Hope you uh, can take a moment, leave a review, leave a rating. Let me know what you think about the show. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm over at the Billy Presida. Use the hashtag ManHorrorPodcast. You know, you can let me know what you're thinking about the program, or you can share content with other people who who dig the show too. And if you want to say something a little bit more privately to me, always please feel free to email me with your your comments, your questions, your booby pictures to manhorpod at gmail.com. That is manhorpod at gmail.com. And please, 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 I want to see you whores out there in Secaucus, New Jersey at the Blue Room Lounge on this Friday, January 23rd. Remember to say my name at the door for discounted admission. Now, excuse me, everybody. I have barely slept all weekend. I'm going to try to watch this State of the Union But really, I think I'm just going to eat donuts and watch Marin on Netflix. But until next week, everybody, don't forget, stay slutty.